Welcome to the perfect place for imperfect people. This is the Local Church Podcast, and we hope this message both challenges and encourages you. Here's today's message. Well, hey, good morning, Local Church. How's everybody doing? Good. I saw some of you come in. I hope you feel as good as you look. You're all dressed up and look great uh, today. My name's Johnny. I'm one of the pastors here, uh, and uh, I'm filling in this morning for Pastor Eric, okay? He and Jessica got to get away for a little while this week. Uh, they, they went to Disney, um, which some people think is the Holy Land. It's not. Uh, but they went, to, they went to Disney. They were celebrating Jessica's birthday, and they experienced a miracle. Jessica turned 29 again. It's amazing. I don't know how that happens, but praise God, she turned 29. She turned 29 again. I can get away with that because she looks like she's 29, and I'm not going to tell you how old she really is. She can if she wants to. But um, so, hey, thank you for that, church. Thank you for, and we've talked about this before. We we let. Eric be married to Jessica and Jesus be married to the church. So if he needs to get away for family time, he's, he can certainly do that. In, in decades past, it wasn't always that easy uh, for pastors to get away. Uh, we've course corrected some of that as, as, as I've seen in my time in ministry and we're much better at that and, 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 and men and their families and their marriages are much, much healthier for that as well. So, hey, if you're a guest today though, we wanna welcome you. And also, I want to say this, and I want to give you a, a little further invitation. Thank you for being here, but come back next week. Next week, Pastor Eric's going to start a brand new series on the Holy Spirit. And if you're visiting, this is a good way to get to know us. Hang with us through this series, through this next series. Just hang with us. Get to know kind of who we are, how we operate. Maybe we can get to know you a little better as well. Come and introduce yourself afterwards. Uh, but that's a good way to get to know a church is just to hang with it through, through a series. So I invite you uh, to do that. So we've, we're going to close out this series today called The Good News. And, and by far, this has been one of the most talked about and celebrated series that we've ever done. Uh, we've given away... We've made much of Jesus, okay? Let's not, let's not walk past that or walk over that. We've made much of Jesus, but we've given away $100,000 over these past few weeks. Yay, we can clap that, yeah. And, and here's why, because, because Jesus is the good news. When he was on the earth, he did good. He did good things. He created new realities for people. Uh, he, he healed uh, people. He healed relationships uh, Martha and Mary and Lazarus and 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 he so so he did good so we wanted to do that we wanted to celebrate Jesus make much of Jesus but also create some good news out there as well so uh, we remember we we did a reverse offering remember that where we gave you envelopes with a 20 or a 50 or a hundred dollars in there and you got to either keep that if you needed it or give it away uh, pay it forward, create another God story out of that. Uh, we've also given away, let's see, six months worth of groceries to several families. Uh, I'll say, even say many families uh, that, are, that are struggling, that need some help uh, in our church familia. Uh, we've given away college scholarships. We gave away some merchandise uh, for some people uh, who have been a blessing to us, some cameras and a guitar, uh, just to bless people. We gave away two cars to single moms who desperately needed them. And uh, just recently, and I talked to Kathy just outside, uh, a new roof 
and new uh, AC, I'd say new, they've, they've never had central heat and air in that home in Hollywood. So we did that for a family as well. And when I say we, I mean you. Your generosity and God's goodness made all of that possible. And so we've given away $100,000. So I'm going to borrow from the words of Paul, the apostle, today. Uh, silver and gold have I none, because we gave it all away. Okay, we've already done that. We gave it, uh, we don't have any more. I love how Pastor Eric says that we're not a rich church, but we're a blessed church. And so we shared that blessing. And so today, as we close out this series, we're going to talk about the very best news, and that is just simply Jesus himself. I, I was in the office a few weeks ago, and there was a, a call. I was actually returning a call. And uh, this young lady, we, we hit it off because she was a, a nurse, and nurses run through my family. So we talked about that a while, but she had a question. And it was a, it was a great question. And by the way, I don't know that you guys ask enough questions. We don't get all that many. You think we would, but we don't get all that many questions uh, in uh, that, are, that, are, that are deep about, about God, about Scripture, about salvation, uh, biblical text, whatever. We just don't. But she had one, and it was a very good one. Now, she loves Jesus. She's a Christian. But she was wondering, why did Jesus have to die the way he did? Why, why not just come and live a perfect life as the Son of God and die a natural death? Why the cross? Why did Jesus have to die on the cross? Why would God need to give his own son in that way? A great question. And that's what we are going to unpack some of today. This is going to be a full-on gospel message. Now, I'm more of a teacher than a preacher. So you may, you may find something in, in, in Scripture that you didn't know uh, if so, please write it down. Please take it home uh, with you. But that's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at Jesus. We're going to look at why he had to come and die and why he died the way he did. Why a cross for the Son of God, for the perfect gift, the Son of God. So we're going to jump into that with both feet, and uh, we're going to go quickly. So, it, hey, if you're taking notes um, I recommend the church app. It's a great way uh, to take notes. If you haven't been on there in a while, just hit the refresh button and it'll bring up today. It'll bring, you can follow along. You can fill in the blank. Uh, I've seen pic people take pics of the screens or you can write it down, however. Uh, but take some notes today. Uh, here's our first big thought. What we messed up, God cleaned up. What we messed up, God cleaned up. Now, there's, there's theological truth in that. That sounds more like the message, doesn't it, from the uh, message translation, which is more street, uh, sort of street English or, or um, sort of skateboard English or uh, from the streets, you know. What we messed up, God cleaned up. Um, now, think big picture here. Well, I'm talking all of humanity here. I'm not talking just individual uh, I got a speeding ticket. What I messed up, God needs to clean up for me. Or I've got high cholesterol because I can't push away from the br brisket and the, you know, and the ribs. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about big picture. What we messed up, what our first parents messed up for us, what they infected us with and inflicted upon us that now we pass down, we carry with us and we pass down just because we're human that's what I'm talking about. What we messed up as humanity, God cleaned up. We're going to start in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis is my favorite book 
the, the, the picture I want you to get, because it's true, this narrative that we're going to talk about, because it's true, is that it wasn't created the way we see it today. When I visit with people who are going through things, some of the hope that I want to give them is this. Listen, God didn't create it this way. It, it, it won't end up this way. But for right now, this is the way it is because it's a fallen world. So I want us to see that what we messed up, God cleaned up. Before there was good news, there was bad news. Now let's look in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, now, if, even if you're not much of a Bible reader, if you've ever attempted to read the Bible, you've read this. Probably Genesis 1-1 and John 3-16 are the most well-known verses uh, of Scripture. In the beginning, God. Now, the word God there is Elohim. It's just one word, one name, Elohim. And, and it means grandiose. It means majestic. It's, it's big. Now, it's also plural because the im in Hebrew is plural. The im sound is plural, Elohim. So, so there's the Trinity embedded in that, but it's one God, big, majestic, creator of everything. And so in the beginning, the creator of everything is creating everything. And it's, it's beautiful. It's majestic. It's, there, there's a rhythm to it. There's a cadence to it. It is poetic. He says, let there be this and there was this. Let there be that and there was that. Let there be light and there was what? Light. He said, let the, let the earth bring forth this, and it did. Let it bring forth that, and it did. He created the land animals according to their kind, right? He created this, the, the sea animals, the sea creatures, and even the creeping things on the earth, as King James tells us. He could have skipped that for, for, for me, but, but I know they serve a purpose. He, even the creeping things. So listen, everything that your five senses experience, Elohim, majestic, big God, was creating in Genesis chapter one, and it was, it was good. And, and, and then we get to Genesis chapter two, and here's what we see. Genesis chapter two is more of a myopic. That just simply means it's pulled out, and, and, and optically we're going to look at one certain detail out of this creation story. It's a myopic. So he, 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 Moses, the writer of, of, of the Torah and of Genesis, he pulls out the creation of the humans because it needs special attention. And so he's created Adam. And if you remember, he lets Adam name all of the animals, right? Every single one of them. Adam names. I have no clue how long that would take. But all they've got is time in a perfect, in a perfect place there. So Adam names all of the animals. And he discovers, and this is purposefully done on God's account. He, 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 he discovers that there's no, nothing like him. Wait a minute, all these other things, there's, there's two. Everything else has a partner, but I don't have any one. And he says, it's not good that man should be alone. And every man in the room say it, amen. We know that. It's not good that man should be alone. We still feel that. And so he creates, he creates Adam. He, 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 he makes him to fall into this deep sleep. Sort of like some of you about two o'clock today, right? This deep sleep. And, and he takes something from his side and, and he, creates, he creates woman. He creates Eve. Now, something from his side. Scholars believe it was probably a rib because later Adam says, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called, she shall be called woman. She shall be called Isha because she was taken from Ish. And it's beautiful and it's perfect. And it's, it's, they're, they're not lacking anything. I want you to understand, it was created in perfection. 
There's Adam and there's Eve and there's nothing between them. There's no conflict. There's no sin. There's no, they're, they're, they don't argue. There's no credit card debt. Okay, I'm sure they got offers from Visa and MasterCard there in the garden. But, but there's, no, there's, no, there's no credit card debt. There's not kids yet to fight over, right? Uh, Eve never looked at Adam, at least not yet, and, and said, I'd like a little help around here. I could use a little help. You know, why do I always have to be the bad guy? You could discipline ever so often. I, I, again, I know that's never said at your house, right? But there's nothing in between them. Get this with me. There's not even clothing. And that's on purpose. Life is supposed to give way to life. That be fruitful and multiply is supposed to take place. And again, it was, it was perfect. It's even brilliant because the creator of it all puts the blueprints inside of each one of them. He puts the DNA, the blueprint, so that, so that they'll be fruitful and multiply so that they can be part of the creative process. I mean, it's a brilliant, brilliant idea by God. It's perfect. Genesis 2. Let's just close the book and go on. But then we get to Genesis chapter 3. And something really horrific happens. And we're going to look at that. Uh, we're going to look at Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. And we're going to read it. It says this. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. Make no mistake, the serpent is Satan. Now we don't know everything. Either the serpent was, Satan was embodied by the serpent or, or, or this was a real serpent that represented Satan. But this is, this is Satan in the garden. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Did God say, did God put you in this place, this beautiful, perfect place and say, you can't eat of any of this? Is that what he said? No, that's not at all what he said. And let's take a life lesson from this church. The job of Satan, the thing that he will always want to get you to do is doubt the goodness of God. And he's working on some of you right now because of what you've gone through, because of what you've experienced in the last year or more, or because of your current situation, He's working on you to get you to doubt the goodness of God. I'm convinced that most battles that we face are ancient ones. They take place now, but they're, they're, their roots are ancient. We see them all the way back in Genesis. So he's trying to get Eve to doubt the goodness of God. And the woman said to the serpent, okay, so Eve, to her credit, says, no, we, we can eat of, of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, that one right over there, see that one with the, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? That one we cannot eat of. You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Did God say don't touch it? No, God never said don't touch it. Eve is already starting to lean a bit into the, some of this that, that Satan is offering up. Look at verse 4. Then the serpent said to the woman, again, doubting God's good, you surely won't die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you're going to be like God, knowing good and evil. Again, a lie with nuggets of truth. That's how he does it. So verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, desirable to make one wise... She took of its fruit and she ate. That's the first instance of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, that, 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 which really encompasses all of sin that John talks about in 1 John. 
The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, right there. So she took of its fruit, and she ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. And very willingly, I might add, he ate. Verse 7, then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. We're going to come back and talk about that in a little bit. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife ran to God, confessed their sin, and leaned into his mercy and grace. No, no, they didn't. They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Here's what we just read. Here's what it is. In some way, shape, or form, the evil that was outside of them comes inside of them. Now, scholars still debate about exactly what that was or, or, but, or, or, or how that could be, but we just know that it was. It says their eyes were opened. They saw that they were naked. It's the, it's the first mention of fear, of guilt, of shame, of running from God. Again, our battles are really rooted in ancient ones. And we see that here. It's the first mention of all of that. And so you, you can call it what you want. You can, call it, you can call it a sin force. You can call it a sin nature. You can call it uh, the fall. You can, you can call it depravity. Call it whatever you want. But it's here. Look at what Paul calls it in Romans 7.21. He calls it a law. A law. Romans 7, 18 through 21. We're going to go there. We're going to see how Paul describes this human condition that now all of us are infected with. Every one of us are infected with this. So I want you to side to side, front to back. I want you to see if this describes you. Everybody in the room, you watching on TV, uh, online, see if this describes you. Verse 18, Romans 7. For I know that in me, Paul says, that is in my flesh, Nothing good dwells. For to will to do good is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I don't do, but the evil that I don't want to do, that I do. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. Have you ever found that about yourself? I want to do good. And sometimes I do, but a lot of times I don't. And the, the wrong that I don't want to do, that sometimes, maybe most of the time, I end up doing. Does that describe anybody but the guy you're looking at right now? Anybody? Come on now. Yeah, six of us are infected with, the, with sin here. Paul calls it a law. Evil is present within me. Listen, again, we can call it we can call it a sin nature. That's what the Baptist in me calls it. How many of you have heard it called that before? A sin nature. I've heard it called a sin force. It's original sin. It's depravity. It's the fall. Listen, whatever you want to call it, call it. But we've traced the call, and it's coming from inside the house. It's coming from right in here. And so that's why no matter how culturally woke maybe we become and how much we're going to avoid negative people we're going to avoid negative uh environment all the negativity i'm getting rid of it positive vibes only i'm going to do what makes me happy this is me time i'm going to follow my heart whatever you read on instagram and and wherever else you go and all of that cultural wisdom that's out there you can do all that but if you don't do anything about what's in here you're going to be and remain jacked up that's a theological term, jacked up. That's, that's, that's what we are. If we don't do anything about this. And so 
I want to put this second big thought on the screen. It's this. If we don't understand the depth of our sin, we won't appreciate the depth of God's mercy. If you don't understand the depth of your sin, you will never understand the depth of God's mercy. Jesus will be something other than a, than a true savior for you. And listen, if you're here and uh, think about it like going into Publix, like you're coming into church, some of you bring a basket and you take a lot of things home from these messages. Some of you, you, or you take a cart, I should say, and you, you take a lot of things home. Some of you are like me. I try to fit everything into a basket. I almost refuse to get a cart. Even if I need 62 things at Publix, I'm getting a basket. I'm going to stuff it full. Listen, if you brought it in your basket and you're only going to take one thing home, take that home. If we don't understand the depth of our sin, we won't appreciate the depth of God's mercy. Now, Paul talks about this. Remember, the thing I don't want to do, I end up doing. The thing I want to do, that I don't do. Uh, he calls it a law. Evil is present within me. And then right after that, in the 24th verse, look at Romans 7, 24. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? In other words, who will pluck me out? Sometimes God delivers through and sometimes God delivers out of. Paul is almost praying here for someone to deliver him out of. In the Greek, that deliver right there is out of. It means pluck out of. Who will pluck me out of this condition that I'm in, this body of death? I want to I encourage you because this is so much more than doing more things right and less things wrong. And it's, it's almost disturbing to me when I read, when I read some, of these, um, some of these surveys that most people, I don't, know the, I don't know the exact numbers, let's just say it's a lot, and in some surveys it's most, who go to church, this is in America, most churchgoers who go to church still believe that the way you get to heaven is by doing good. If I do more good than bad, I go to heaven. That somehow there's, God puts those scales up and he measures out my life. And again, there's nuggets of truth to this, but, but overall, it's wrong. That, that if I can just do more good than bad, then I'm, I'm going to get in. This is so far beyond that, what we're going to talk about and what Paul describes. That's, and, and I want to just encourage you today, if that's if that's where you're swimming, that's not just the shallow end of the pool. That's the wrong pool. Listen to the lifeguard today. Get out of the pool. Don't even dry off. Run over to the pool we're talking about today and cannonball in. Jump in. Because that's the wrong pool. It's so much more than just doing more things right and less things wrong. Faith and salvation is not an outside-in thing. I don't do good out here, and somehow it gives me right standing with God, and it, and, and it gives me righteousness. It doesn't happen like that. Faith and salvation is an inside-out thing. I give my life to Jesus because he's my Savior, and I'm given his righteousness, and then I'm, I'm able to do right things out here. It's not a give to get. It's not a, I'm going to do good things and I'm going to gain right standing with God. It can't be. Look at how Paul describes it again. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Now, the body of death is very interesting. It's a euphemism. It's a, it's a moniker. It's a name for a particular form of capital punishment in Rome. 
and Spurgeon and a guy named Stedman that I like to read and, a, and another scholar and even a Greco-Roman ancient poem talks about the body of death. And, and here's, here's what it is. It's for capital murder. And so the body of the victim is shackled to the body of the perpetrator back to back. The body of the victim is shackled to the body of the perpetrator. So if your goat got into my garden, and I've warned you about it before because that's how I feed my family, but look, you don't care. They got in anyway, and now how am I going to feed my family? And I hit you over the head with a rock, (laughs) and it kills you. In certain areas of the Roman province and in certain times, they may just assign to me the body of death, and they may strap that dead body to my back. And listen, I understand it's uncomfortable. I know it's uncomfortable on a Sunday morning. These aren't just uh, pleasantries here. But I want you to think about this for a little bit. I want you to think about what your next 30 days would be like if you literally had a corpse strapped to your back. What would your next 30 days be like as the processes that begin to decay that begin to decay you? The Romans were experts at torture and killing, and this was one of the ways that they did it. What would that be like? That's why, church, that's what Paul calls it. That's why it's a huge mistake when you downplay sin. It's a huge mistake when you just, when when, when you go days without even thinking about it, when you don't confess your sins to God, or you think that Jesus came for some other reason. He's my political ally because I'll use him over here for, for whatever social or cultural thing I want to use him for. And listen, I'm not even saying that he won't have interest in those things, but I am saying that we make a huge and fatal mistake when we hijack his mercy of mission and we make it play out in some other way. John said, behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. Every single human has this death sentence on them. It's the most important thing in the world. And our biggest need is to be rescued from this. And so I want us to see what our first parents tried to do about it. Because it's interesting. Again, what we do now is really rooted in what they did then. Let's look at Genesis 3 verse 7. Again, we read this once. We're going to read it again. It says, then the eyes of both of them were opened. They knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. That evil that was outside of them in some way, shape or form comes inside of them. They know things are different. They, they, they feel sin, guilt, shame. What do they do? I mean, they tried to do something. They sewed fig leaves together. You say, well, that's dumb. What's all they had? <laughs> they, they were in a garden. It's what they had. What they had available is what they tried to cover themselves up with. They did it then. We do it now. We will literally try to paper over this with money. You will try to out-earn that feeling inside that says there's something wrong. I need God. You'll try to paper over that with money. You'll try to paper over it with degrees or success. Many people paper over it with religion. But you know what? It still stinks and it still kills. So maybe, maybe that's where you are today. Maybe, maybe you've given so many excuses. Maybe you've, you've papered over it with so many things. When I was a teenager, I felt that pull. I felt that call. And I would paper over it with alcohol. 
I mean, I did any, anything but that. I thought giving my life to Jesus was, was going to, you know, deepest, darkest parts of the, of the world. Uh, I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't want that. And I would paper over that with alcohol. I would do everything that I could to avoid that and make that feeling go away. Maybe that's you today. But I love this about God. He stepped in. God stepped in. They did what they could. They used what they had. It wasn't enough. It never is. God stepped in and he clothed them with animal skins. And this is the very first time that we see that we see sacrifice for sin in the Bible. And we didn't read it, but it's there. The very first time you see sacrifice for sin in the Bible is God covering the humans with skins. And, and, and that was, it was an atonement. It was a covering. It was temporary. And that temporary covering of sacrifice of animals went all the way through again until Christ was born. Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. And so God stepped in for the very first humans and he clothed them with skin. And listen, church, he still steps in for us. He still steps in for us. He still does. Imagine this now. If you were still, go back to your shackled. We haven't let you out. You're still shackled. It's 30 days are coming up. What that would be like. Just imagine those few uncomfortable moments of what that would be like as the processes again that, that take place to decay that body, begin to decay you. And you cry out to God. You cry out to Jesus. And all of a sudden, you begin to feel this something happen. And Jesus is there and he's unshackling you. The only one who can did. He's unshackling you. And your, your surprise and your euphoria even as those shackles and that body fall away and you're free. Imagine what that feels like. You're free. But it gets even better. Because not only did he free you, but you look back and Jesus has shackled the body of death to himself. He's not only shackled it to himself, he nailed it to him. Because that body of death that was on your back became the cross on his. He nailed, literally nailed the body of death to himself. Your, your, your sentence wasn't just commuted, it was paid in full. You weren't just guilty, but you can go. The sentence was paid. He who knew no sin became sin for you so that you could become the righteousness of God in him. Church, this is an amazing thing. God has stepped in for us. I love that he who knew no sin became sin. I love the fact that I'm free from that body of death. I love the fact that my Savior loved me so much that he strapped it onto his own back and he nailed himself to it. How do we know? Look at Romans 8.1. Paul just continues from 7.24 to 8.1. Now, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus means there is condemnation to those who are not in Christ Jesus. Look at Romans 10, 13. How do I get this? For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
Let me share this with you. It's simple, but it's profound. It's simple, but it's profound. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You call out to Jesus and he unshackles you and he pays that price for you. He's already done that. All he asks is that you believe and those shackles come off. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I want to encourage you because I know that we're all connected. We're connected all around the world nowadays. But it wasn't Buddha that did this for you. It's not the universe that did this for you. It wasn't Muhammad that did this for you. And I don't mean any disrespect. They never claimed to do this. Don't make that mean what it never meant. Only Jesus made those claims. Only Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. That's John 14, 6. Only the Son of God came on a mercy mission for you and for me. When we were hopeless and helpless in our sin. And again, he not only commuted that sentence, but he paid the price. Jesus paid it all. All to him I Oh, church, that's good news. That's the best news. Amen. So before we, before we remember what Jesus did, we can, we can even call it a, in a way a celebration. We celebrate and we remember what Jesus has done for us. I want to give anybody in here that hasn't, yet taken advantage of that and said yes to Jesus and called upon the name of the Lord to do that right now. God sent his son and that was his mission. He was on a rescue mission for you. And we've taught it as plain as I can teach it and as plain as Paul can write it. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Jesus. He's the only one that can. The only one that can did. And it's simple. You acknowledge, I know I am a sinner. I'm shackled to this thing. I know I cannot save myself. It's beyond me to get rid of it. I believe that you are the Son of God, the Savior, sent on a rescue mission from me. And I call out the name of Jesus. Come into my heart. I commit my life to you. It's A, B's, and C's. I want to lead you in a prayer real quick. If you have not prayed that yet, if you've never said yes to Jesus, do it now. Lord, I believe. God, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. I've tried everything, Lord, but it's still here. Lord, I believe that you are the son of God. Jesus, I believe that you were sent on a mercy mission for me. I confess with my mouth that you are savior. You are my savior. Come into my life and save me, Lord. I will commit my life to you from this point on. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to the Local Church Podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and review and share what you learned today. You can connect with us at thelocalchurch.com or by searching The Local Church on your favorite social media platforms. We hope you join us next week for a brand new episode. And remember, you matter to God and you matter to us.